0: You'd make a splendid computer, Mr. Spock. That is very kind of you, Captain. I'm not a magician, Spock. Just an old country doctor. Live long and prosper. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today, I'm doing something a little bit different. This is actually going to be a rerun of an episode that I did in Season 1. But it's not a straight rerun. I've gone back to Season 1 and listened to a couple of the early episodes that I did. And as I've said many times, I've gotten better at producing this podcast over the years. And some of those Season 1 episodes, while I love the content of the episodes, there were some production problems, both from the way I edited them, from the way I produced them. From the system that I was using early on, there are some pops and sounds and skips in those early episodes that really bother me. And the problem is I can't get rid of them. I don't have clean masters because I wasn't producing the podcast locally. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on this one. Let's just say I've improved the way I do it, but there's about 15 or 20 episodes out there that I would redo from scratch if I could. But you can never capture that spirit again by redoing an episode on the same topic. So what I'm going to do periodically during Season 6 is take some of those episodes and try to clean them up as best I can. Not only because I want them to sound as good as they can, but because I want to bring them back to the front again. Bump them, if you will. Today's episode is my Star Trek episode. I wanted to talk about Star Trek again, because I love Star Trek. I grew up watching Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. I love that universe. I love the philosophy of that universe. And so I re-edited and remastered my Star Trek episode from season one. Because there's a lot in there I wanted to clean up and present in a better form for you. Now you may have heard this episode already, and if you did, I hope you enjoy the cleaned up version. And if you never heard it before, I hope you like this version. I apologize ahead of time because there are some pops and a couple of little skips in there that I just can't fix. But the overall integrity of the episode is still there, and the philosophy that I love is still expressed in that episode. So here you go. Stories about Star Trek from season one. As I've said in many of the Storytime episodes and on the Twitch stream and to anybody who will listen, I watched a lot of TV as a kid and what I grew up with was syndicated television. And Star Trek, the original series was on in the 60s. Now, I watched the syndicated series, because it was on after school or on Saturday afternoons, and that's when I was available to watch shows. I wasn't watching TV shows like Star Trek, and I guess it was 1966 that it premiered. But when it came around in syndication, those were my formative years. That's when I started watching Star Trek, and I fell in love with that show. It meant a lot to me because it was cool to me. It was space, and there was weapons, and there was aliens, and there was space travel, and they were going to distant galaxies, and It got into my head from an early age, and there's a philosophy and a a lifestyle about Star Trek that stuck with me at that early age. And I wanted to tell stories today about not so much the episodes of Star Trek, but how it affected me then and how it affects me even to this day. And maybe it'll convert you to become a Star Trek fan. Maybe you'll just go, "Eh, it's Star Trek. Mrs. Gamer Dude doesn't like Star Trek. No matter how much I've talked to her about it, she just... Th- how does anybody like this show? That's her line. <laughs> she always goes to that line. And I get it. Not everybody's going to like Star Trek. It's got cheesy characters. It's got cheesy cast members. It's got cheesy sets. You know, it's 1960s television with very minimal special effects. And, you know, there's a, a weirdness to it that I understand that not everybody gets. But underneath all of that, there's a a life philosophy, there's storytelling, there's a worldview that sunk into me, and it's there if you look for it. And if you're interested in looking for it, it's something that has formed the kind of person that I am, because it kind of coincides with the kind of person I wanted to be, and the kind of person I would like the world to be. And I'll explain. Now, what I'm going to get into today is... It is partly my version. It's partly my take on things. It's partly stuff that I've read. It's partly stuff that I've discussed with other people. I don't claim ownership to these views. It's just my view of Star Trek based on everything that I've seen and heard and done in my life. So if you've heard some of this before, it would not surprise me because other people have had similar views of Star Trek. I'm just giving you my take on all of this because it means a lot to me. And I know that sounds weird to say that a TV show means a lot to me. But think for a second. How many people are into Star Wars? I am, by the way. I'm both a Star Trek fan and a Star Wars fan. But people live and die the Star Wars universe. And what about Harry Potter? People love Harry Potter. And Hogwarts is a thing. And it's a real place for them. And everything that happened in Harry Potter is real to them. So why is a love for Star Trek any different than Harry Potter or Star Wars or Doctor Who or any of your fandoms? It's really not. It's just from a different generation. But I think the Star Trek philosophy and lifestyle and worldview actually permeates far more than you know. Because when you hear the stuff that I'm going to talk about today, it's going to sound familiar in a lot of ways. Now, Star Trek was not always an action-adventure show. Sure, there was shootouts, and sure, there was lasers, and space battles, and photon torpedoes, and phasers. But that wasn't the point of Star Trek. It wasn't an action-adventure show as much as it was about storytelling and also philosophizing. There was a lot of thought-provoking things going on in Star Trek. I'm not going to go over all of the episodes. I'll probably mention a few as I go through this. But there was things that happened or were said in Star Trek that made you think. And looking back, what Gene Roddenberry, who's the creator of Star Trek, did was use Star Trek for political commentary in a lot of ways. Because don't forget, the show came out in 1966 and ran for three years. This was the height of the hippie era when the United States was coming apart at its seams because of the protests against the Vietnam War. And the riots in Chicago after the 1968 Democratic Convention, the world was not a hopeful place at that time. And then we had Richard Nixon elected to the White House. So it was a very (laughs) unique time and a very difficult time and a very turbulent time. And that's when Star Trek was made. And the thing that I liked about Star Trek, one of the first things that stuck out for me, was that it was a hopeful view of people. But it wasn't just people. It was about us. It was about humanity as we are today, but in the future. 200 years into the future, there was a hopeful view of people, where people got along, no matter what your religion was, no matter what your race was, no matter what country you were from, no matter what you believed, the people of the world had united and formed the Federation. It represented all of humanity, not just black, not just white, not just Asian, not just brown, not just any particular race or creed or color. It represented people. And for me, that was a very hopeful view, especially as a young person growing up in the 70s when things were crazy and things like the Cold War were a reality and we were worried about attacks from all over the world. This hopeful view of people coming together and being united as one humankind was very hopeful to me. And it made me believe that things like this were possible, that we could have space travel as a communal endeavor with everybody behind it. One of the things that stuck out for me was when they introduced Chekhov into the crew, because he was clearly Russian. Now, back in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, when the Cold War was at its height, Russia was the enemy. So more so than any other character, Chekhov was kind of a beacon of the coming together of everybody for me. Uhura to an extent, too, because she represented black America. Chekhov represented Russians. Sulu represented Asians. You had everybody in the mix, and they were all working together. And that was the hopeful view of humanity I really clung to when that show came out. And I really realized that that was something that could happen. And I believed it because of that show. It made me believe that there was hope for humanity it showed an evolution of society it showed tolerance it showed understanding it showed compassion all of these people worked together despite their different upbringings their different worldviews their different ways of growing up and doing things they came together and worked together as a crew as a team as friends it envisioned our world as a better place because of this we discarded intolerance and we discarded hate and Certain of the episodes talk about how racism and poverty and war have been eliminated from our society. And those are all things that I wanted to believe in when I was younger, and I still believe in now. I believe that it's possible for that to happen. Some days are better than others for maintaining that belief. Other days give you kind of a dark view. Well, maybe not, but I still truly believe in the hopefulness that Star Trek put out there. That we can come together and have a better world and a better society. It elevated things like compassion, caring for your fellow man or woman. It elevated, as I said, tolerance of your fellow man, your fellow woman. Other beliefs, other ways of doing things. It elevated science as something to be admired, not chastised or discarded. Those are the things that I took from Star Trek as a young person and I still hold to today. I also enjoyed Star Trek because it was a positive show. It believed in the happy ending. I mean, not all of the endings were always happy. Things happened that were horrible and difficult. There were wars and there were conflicts. But in general, the overarching theme was that the happy ending is a possibility. And I've always been a positive person. Even in my darkest days as a teen, when I struggled with things that I was struggling with, certain episodes of Star Trek would stand out to me. And even though I didn't say, well, that proves that the happy ending is possible, the hopefulness from some of those shows saw me through certain things and made me believe that goodness was actually a thing. The other thing that I liked about Star Trek was this concept of the Prime Directive. Now, fans of Star Trek know that the Prime Directive essentially means that the Federation isn't supposed to interfere with the normal growth of a society. It's a non-interference directive. We would go meet new civilizations and new societies, but we weren't supposed to mess with them. And I believe that, too. You're not supposed to interfere. You're not supposed to impose your views on other people. Now, I know that the Federation did that. They said a lot of good things, and yet they did a lot of bad things, too, which is kind of the way the world is, too. But the philosophy underlying the prime directive was something that I also believed in. You're not supposed to interfere with other people. So the Prime Directive was a thing. But there were times when Kirk, and we're talking Captain Kirk because that's the show that I grew up with, Kirk would always find a way to do a workaround of the Prime Directive to fix things that were broken if he needed to. Now, is that breaking the rules or is that enforcing the spirit of the rules? That's a really good question. But that's one of the reasons that I liked Kirk so much, because aside from the fact that I really like Shatner, Shatner is, is such an overactor in a lot of ways. And I've read the books and I've heard the stories about how difficult he can be. But by and large, I love William Shatner. And by extension, I love the character that he created with Captain Kirk. So I address Kirk as a, as a real person, just like Harry Potter is a real person, just like Luke Skywalker is a real person. James T. Kirk is a real person in this fictional view of our future. But Kirk believed in the possibility of the good outcome, of the right outcome. That's not always the prevailing belief today, and it sure wasn't the prevailing belief when I was growing up. So visiting a future, going into a place where the possibility and the belief in the good outcome was the standard of believing, was really kind of refreshing. And I clung to that because Kirk would make things happen to fix things, whether it was, and I'll give you a couple of episode names. I'm not going to go into details about them. I may do a story time about specific episodes that I liked, but there were certain things like the episode, A Piece of the Action, or the episode where, and I can't remember the name of it, where the god ball was involved. And it was really just a computer running things, but Kirk found a way around the prime directive to fix a broken society because he believed that that was the thing that was the right thing to do to help the society advance rather than stagnate. Now, he didn't impose his beliefs beyond that. He just made things so that they could move forward. And that kind of gets to what I really liked about Kirk. He was a man of action. Right or wrong, he tried to do something. He made changes. He made decisions. And the other thing that I liked about Kirk is that he took responsibility for what he did, and he also took responsibility for what his crew did, because as the captain of the starship, he was always saying that he was responsible for the actions of his crew. He never shirked from his responsibilities. He never shirked what he did. He never tried to pawn it off on somebody else. If he did something wrong, he would admit it. If his crew did something wrong, he would take responsibility for it, because that's what he was supposed to do. And I grew up believing that you should wear the hat of responsibility. That's my phrase, the hat of responsibility. Just wear the hat. And Kirk wore the hat of responsibility. And to this day, if I do something wrong, I don't try to pawn it off on somebody. I don't try to point somebody else as the scapegoat. I say, I screwed up, I'll fix it. It's better to do it that way than to try to blame somebody else or blame circumstances. If somebody wants an explanation from me, I'll give them explanations. But when it comes down to it, if I've done something wrong, I wear the hat of responsibility. And Captain Kirk was like that too. Did Captain Kirk reinforce my upbringing? Did I get that philosophy from Captain Kirk? Are they intertwined? Probably all of that. But that was what I got out of Star Trek. Kirk did what he was supposed to do and took responsibility for what he was supposed to take responsibility for. And that's what I admired about Kirk. I also didn't mind the fact that he always seemed to get a girl. That never bothered me either. But uh, that was a kind of a (laughs) a side benefit of being captain of a starship. But that wasn't the focus of what I watched Star Trek for. I did like the fact that Kirk got the girl, but I also liked the fact that Kirk got crap done. He would get things done. He would make the decisions and make things happen. And damn it, that's why he's the captain. And that's what I took from Captain Kirk. Now, one of the other philosophies that I took from Star Trek, and this was more clearly stated in... Uh, Star Trek II, the movie, The Wrath of Khan, more so than in the TV series. But the philosophy existed in the TV series. But the philosophy was the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. It was a general rule of taking care of your fellow man. Sometimes, sacrifice is necessary to make the world, or your small part of it, a better place. The philosophy showed itself clearly in Star Trek II. Spoiler alert. In case you haven't seen this 25 year old movie, uh, where Spock sacrifices himself at the end of Star Trek II to save the crew, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, or the one, Spock being the one. But that philosophy was also shown in The City on the Edge of Forever, probably recognized as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, episode of Star Trek because of the whole message in the episode and because of who's in it and how they do it. It's a well-written, well-done episode that involves Kirk going back to Old Earth in the 1930s. I'm not going to bore you with all of the details of the whole episode, but if you're going to watch one episode, if you have any familiarity at all with Star Trek, this is the episode to watch. The bottom line of the episode is this. At the very end of the episode, spoiler alert, so if you don't want to be spoiled, give me 30 seconds to tell you. At the very end of the episode, Kirk has to make a decision. And the fate of the future of humankind rides on this decision. And he has fallen in love with a character played by Joan Collins. And he knows that to ensure the future of humankind, this character has to die. And he has to make the ultimate sacrifice. He has to give up the love that he has for this woman. He has to give up all of the good that she's doing, this one single person for the good of humankind. And that's where the philosophy, the needs of the many, outweigh the needs of the few, or the one, is really driven home by the original series. Yet despite that philosophy, the show also shows that sometimes the opposite of true, sometimes the needs of the one, outweigh the needs of the many. And that's the focus of Star Trek Three. really. The needs of the one is Spock, again, spoiler alert, uh, not too much of a spoiler, but bottom line is A group of people go to save one person, Spock. And that's a philosophy I also believe in. Because in this day and age, how many times has a whole town mobilized to rescue, for instance, a girl stuck in a well? Or even to rescue a dog stuck in a lake? Sometimes the opposite of the needs of the many is the truth. And that's the way you're supposed to live your life. Sometimes you get a group together to make things better for a few people or just one. And what I took from the show and what I've taken from the movies and what I try to live in my life is life is about knowing when to apply which of those philosophies. You don't always know day to day whether you're going to have to make a big sacrifice or whether you're going to have to help other people save somebody else. But at some point, you're going to be confronted with these choices. And how you make these choices are going to be determined by the kind of person you are, by the kind of life you've lived, by the kind of person you want to be. And I got all of that from Star Trek. One of the other themes that I got from Star Trek is the power of friendship. Friendship is a powerful force. Now, the main friendship in the original series was between Kirk and Spock and McCoy. That bromance, if you will, that bond between them is one of the strongest bonds in all of fiction as far as I'm concerned. The Kirk, Spock, McCoy triumvirate is, is just a powerful grouping of people. Yes, you've got Scotty and Uhura and Sulu. The three big ones are Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. And I read this somewhere I would give credit if I remembered where I read it, but I don't remember because it's been so many years since I've read things on Star Trek. But it's been said that Kirk represents the heart of the Enterprise and the show. And Spock represents the brain of the show. And McCoy represents the soul of the show. And that's really a a very apt description, because the three of them arguing amongst themselves about whatever the issue is in the particular episode is part of what makes the show work. The interplay between them, the clear friendship between them, how close they all are. Even though Spock and McCoy bicker all of the time, they are still friends, and they put the bickering beside them when they need to. When Kirk and Spock disagree... They can disagree, but still remain friendly with each other and still work together without hating each other because they have differing viewpoints. And when Kirk needs McCoy or McCoy needs Kirk, they're there for each other. They play off each other well, they support each other, they need each other. And no matter what their disagreements are, what their differences are, what their different beliefs are, they drop everything to help each other, rescue each other, save each other, support each other when the circumstances require To me, they exemplify what true friends are. They'll disagree. They'll fight. They'll have problems. They'll share their concerns. They'll share their issues. But they always come back home to the friendship. They're there for each other, no matter what. It's unconditional friendship. It's beyond the command. It's beyond the spaceship setting. What they do is care about each other as human beings, and that's what friends are supposed to do. It's the bond between people who share similar commitments similar interests, similar values. And you may have disagreements on certain levels of things. But by and large, you can get past those petty little disagreements because you care about each other as people. And whatever your little differences are, or even your big differences are, because of the people that you are, because of the interests that you share, because of the experiences that you've gone through, the friendship stays strong and continues to grow. And you can rely on each other because that's what friends are supposed to do. That's what true friends are there for. And that's what I take from the Star Trek series. And that's why Star Trek was so big to me, because it spoke to me on these levels. These levels of the future of humanity. And when do you help others? And when do you protect yourself? And most importantly, what are friends for? And why do we want them? And why do we depend on them? And why do we need them? Star Trek showed me all of this, and that's why I gravitated towards Star Trek. And I still believe... In the positive future for humanity. I believe that there's still good out there in the universe, and I believe that humankind will eventually come together and form, maybe not the federation of planets, but we will form a unified humanity that strives to better itself, and not just the world around it, but the galaxy around it and the universe around it. That's what I truly believe, and that's why I love Star Trek, because it gives me hope. It gave me hope, and it continues to give me hope. Because it shows me a future where this goodness, this compassion, this caring for each other is a reality. And that is why I love Star Trek so much. So there you have it, a remastered and cleaned up version of an episode from season one, which I think holds up and I think sounds a lot better this way. Thank you for taking the time to revisit this episode with me. We will be back again next week with another episode of Storytime, but I do want to thank you for your support this week and every week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of things. As always, I truly appreciate your support, and I can't thank you enough for being here. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.